Man, good morning. Once again, Friendship Church, we are in uh, the book of Acts. This is week three of four weeks on the book of Acts. If you miss any service, any sermons, you can go back on our our website or on YouTube, and you can find uh, the first two, and then also next week as well. We are reading through Acts to see what a healthy church looks like. How many of you want a healthy church here at Friendship Church? And so we're looking to see what the early church did, and there are as our summer reading, we've been reading through the book of Acts this summer, and it's almost over, the, the end of August. There were four things that the Lord spoke to me. There were several things, but there were four things that I saw consistently throughout the book of Acts that we're looking at in these four weeks. And for those of you who says, well, the Lord spoke this to me, I'd, I'd like to talk about this, or I'd like to ask a question about this. Our Wednesday nights began this Wednesday. We're back in Wednesday, okay? So this Wednesday night, we uh, come back, we've got youth service in here, we've got ministries for boys and for girls upstairs, and then we have an adult Bible study that meets right here. And so for the first couple of weeks, we're going to focus on the book of Acts and uh, the things that the Lord spoke to you. Maybe you have some questions, we can talk about it. But that's what we've been looking at for weeks. Uh, what did the healthy, what did this early church do to be healthy? And so the four things that, that stood out to me or that the Lord spoke to me um, was, was week one, baptism of the Holy Spirit. The evidence of speaking in other tongues, you saw that even displayed this morning, manifested uh, with, with tongues and interpretation. Uh, that, that comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and others. Um, and so that happened in the early church. Healing of the supernatural. We believe in a supernatural God. Okay? I believe in a supernatural God. You guys can join with me if you'd like. I believe in a supernatural God. And so there is healing that comes with that. There is deliverance that comes uh, today we're looking at the generosity of the church. Next week we are looking at the evangelism of the world. Those are the four things that the Lord spoke to me that I saw consistently throughout the book of Acts. So really the, the first two weeks were kind of God's part in this, if you want to say it like that. Uh, where He poured out His, His, His Holy Spirit. Uh, there's healing through the supernatural. That is God doing those things. We have some reaction to that. But that is God through the Holy Spirit doing that the next two weeks, this week and next week, is a little bit of our response. What, what do we do? Uh, what is our part in making a healthy church? And so we look at this, we want to have a spirit of generosity in our church, an attitude of love, a denial of self, and a struggle for goodness. Okay, If you've been here all this summer, you've heard about the goodness of the Lord, taste and see the Lord is good. But those things come over a healthy church, and it comes with one word, community. A healthy church is a church of community, and there is a shift that happens in our minds. It's a shift that happened in the early church's mind. Um, Paul talks about it later in, in Romans, be transformed by the renewing of your minds. That as we give our life to Christ, we allow the Holy Spirit to fill us up, we begin to think about things differently. At one point in our life, we might have thought this way, uh, but because Christ has changed our heart, now we, we think about things completely different. Not everything is about me all the time and mine, mine, mine. Like what, what, what was your first word? What's the first word of a baby? If it's not mama, if it's not dada, it's mine. <laughs> okay? So like from the very beginning, we know mine. We know what mine is. Okay? But as we grow in the Lord, as we give our heart to the Lord, we are changed. We are changed by the renewing of our minds. And so there... In the early church, there a spirit of generosity comes in us when there was not a spirit of generosity. There's an attitude of love for everyone that once was not there. There's, we self, we deny ourselves. We, we look for goodness. 
And these are the things that a healthy church started to do. I want to show you in the text here. Acts chapter 2, obviously, is, is where we're starting. We're in Acts. We're in Acts chapter 2. We have the, the uh, verses on the screen there for you as well. But here we are 2,000 years later. And for 2,000 years, when we look back on what does a healthy church look like, many churches, most people have started with these five verses. Acts chapter 2. So the Holy Spirit comes. I mean, speaking of the tongues, Peter gets up and he preaches this message. 3,000 people come to know Christ after that message. That's a sermon right there, okay? So they go from 120 to 3,120, okay? They need inertia workers real quick, okay? <laughs> That's just how it is. Uh, I'd love for, it, for something like that to happen. I'd love for something, like, for something to happen there like uh, what happened there. That's why we're talking about this here today. An amazing occurrence. So then the next five verses, many healthy churches look back and go, this is, this is what we want to do. Okay, so let's read. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All right, so there's, there's four things that, that's listed here that... They devoted themselves to doing. So this, this happened on the, on the day of Pentecost, and it's kind of, this is what happened over the next months and even years uh, as we go through the book of Acts. These are the kinds of things that, that they were doing. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So they listened to the word of God that was preached to them. So there's, there's a bit of burden and responsibility on both of us. There's a burden and responsibility on, on people like myself to bring the word of the Lord, not to bring my opinion on stuff, okay? And I'm very careful to do that. I want to preach the word of God. And there is a burden and responsibility that I, it's called by the Lord, I willingly accept, but it's just, it's there that is on me and other preachers, Sunday school teachers and anybody else that teaches the word of God. There's a burden and responsibility. There's also a burden and responsibility on you as well to go, okay, here's what the word of God that was preached or taught how am I going to use that, or how am I going to take that to turn my life around? What am I going to do with this information? What am I going to do with what the Spirit is telling me to do? So there's a burden and responsibility on both ways. And I listen to other preachers as well, so I have the responsibility as well to listen to other people to make sure that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. We are supposed to devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching. That's one of the things that we did, that they did. Then it says, and to fellowship. Fellowship is a, is a churchy word that means hanging out together, spending time together, growing in community, okay? Now, this is easy for some and hard for others. There's extroverts in the world and there's introverts in the world. In the world. Extroverts love fellowship, introverts not so much, okay? How many extroverts do I have in the crowd? Who's with me? I'm an extrovert. How many, okay? How many introverts? Raise your hand. You're not going to raise your hand. You're an introvert, right? So... If you're an extrovert like me, for instance, if we're going to talk about fellowship, next week, potluck, you're thrilled. You're excited. You're like me. I'm like, yes, eat food and talk to people for two hours, sign me up. I am there, okay? That's what I love to do. And you're going to see me bounce from table to table and talk to people. That's what I love to do, okay? My kids, they kind of make fun of me a little bit. Uh, they call me a social butterfly as I bounce around. And I'm like, can we like call me something else like a social dragon. Like that sounds, you know, that sounds a little manlier. Can we do that? As I wear a pink shirt today, I know, I know. 
I didn't think about this point when I was getting dressed this morning, but it is what it is. <coughs> All right. I love it, and I cannot wait. Now, there are some of you introverts that are like, potluck? Really? Like we had to, like, talk to people and stuff, you know? I, I get it, okay? I'm with you. This is something that the, apostle, or that the, that the church devoted themselves to. And we want you to be a part. We all need to fellowship a little bit. We all need each other a little bit, okay? So let me, let me give you an example kind of on a, on a principle scale, okay? If we were to give, uh, talk about finances, which we'll talk about here in a minute. But if we were to take up an offering, there are some people in the room that can give like $1,000 to an offering, right? And if you can give $1,000, then great, give $1,000. There are some of us who are like, I can't give $1,000, you know, to this. I can give, you know, maybe $10, okay? So what should your response be? Should you not give your $10 because you can't give $1,000? Well, no, certainly not, okay? It, we're giving to the Lord. We're being a part of this, principally speaking, okay? Maybe you're not the kind of person that's going to bounce from t- table to table and talk to 1,000 people like I am. Maybe you're the kind of person, can I just like talk to two or three people and then leave quickly? Okay? That's fine. Principally speaking, we need you there. We want you there. We want you to be a part. Don't not come because you're not going to talk to everybody for an hour. See what I'm saying? Principally speaking, it's the same. We want you to give what you can give. Other people are going to give what they can give. All right, so... Devote yourself to apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread. Now, this is, this is not fellowship. This is not going out to dinner. When they say breaking of bread here, what they're talking about is the Lord's communion. That's what the breaking of this bread means. We, here at Friendship Church, we have communion on the first Sunday of every month. So we do it once a month. I know some churches that do it uh, every single Sunday. I know one church that does it once a year, but they do it huge, and it takes all service to do it. That's fine. Either way is fine. But you devote yourself to the Lord's communion because we need to be reminded that even as we're growing as the Lord and we can do great things through the Lord, it is because of Christ's work on the cross that we're able to do anything. And we need to constantly remind ourselves how great we are. Oh yeah, it's because of Christ that I'm anything. And so we have to constantly remind ourselves that. And so the early church did this. Then devote yourself to prayer. Now, prayer is its own 10-week sermon series, okay? So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on here, but pray. They came together and they prayed. They used the altars at the end of service. When I was a kid, when I was growing up, we used the altars all the time. You just came down and you prayed. This wasn't a, oh my goodness, look who's coming to the altar. No one's thinking that. And if they are, they need to come to the altar, okay? Like, we come, like you hear the message, yes, that's what I want to do. Lord, let's talk about it. And then you come to the altar and we pray. That, that's, what, that's what we do. Everyone was filled with awe. Many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. The Holy Spirit was using uh, the apostles and everyone to show exactly who God is, a supernatural God. Verse 44. All the believers were together, had everything in common. They sold property. Listen to this. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. This is what a healthy church looks like. It's a church that gives if they can give. That's that's generosity. 
It's a church that they meet together in each other's homes. They broke bread in each other's homes. They had communion in other people's homes. They didn't just wait until church. They they were a group that came together in community. And they loved each other. They helped each other out when they could. And they blessed one another. This This is the attitude change. There's a lot in Christianity that has to do with things that you do. And then there's a lot in Christianity that is the attitude, the changing of your mind behind the things of why you do it. And that's some of the things that we do. One, I, I've talked about this before, but one of the examples of a healthy church is when church is over, does everybody sprint out the door? Or do people hang around and talk a little while? When I first got here, it, some people stayed and talked, but now recently people are like, they stay and they talk. Now everybody has pressure to stay and talk after church now, but I'm just, I'm just saying, like, no one's pressured to do it. Like, people just hang out, and, and you gen- like, I genuinely like you people, believe it or not, okay? And, and I, people are genuinely liking each other. It's fellowship. It's coming together, and that's one of the signs of a healthy church is people, they want to hang out. They want to talk with each other. They want to be friends. They praise God. They enjoy the favor of all the people. Uh, glad and sincere hearts. This is the attitude of a healthy church. Yes, There are amazing things happening like the baptism of the Holy Spirit, healing, deliverance. But there's also a sense of unity and love and and gratitude and generosity that permeates everywhere all throughout the church. And you can see it. And the end of the verse says, And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So for those of you who want to see that happen... This is kind of, it's not a template, but this kind of shows what they did. They loved each other. And when you walk into a church, if you're a guest and you walk into a church, and it's pretty obvious, they don't really like each other. Like, it's pretty, it's obvious. But if you walk in as a guest, you're like, these people, everybody's all, like, talking to each other and stuff. Like, you, you want to be a part of that. If you're a guest, you want to be a part of a family that loves each other, that loves God, that cheers each other on, that's for each other. It's an attitude of what the church looks like. There's a couple of ways to give in terms of generosity. Now, there's, there's a financial way that you can give in generosity. And we have different things where we give uh, to certain things. We have uh, projects that we give to as far as fire Bibles, which, by the way, we had a goal of $5,000 this year. We're actually above that 5000 right now, so thank you so much. You can still give. I mean, we'll give money to that, absolutely. But we wanted to at least give 5000 we gave. Um, we have different missionaries that come in. We had, uh, we had a guest speaker that came a couple of weeks ago. Some of you remember. A fantastic offering of over $2,000 came in just for him or their, their family as they're going, they're, they're going, well, to a, where they're going. Can't say online. Um, so it's fantastic. That you were able to say, yes, let's send this couple and tell, let them tell people about Jesus, okay? Um, we have a way that you can give to different ministries of the church. We have a way that you can give to what's called benevolence. So there's people from time to time that just need help in the church. And that's what they were talking about up here. Selling property, which we'll get to in a second. And then giving, uh, giving to whoever had a need. We have a way that if people um, need some help, they will humbly, many times, sometimes, come and talk to the church. And we want to be able to help. And so now we, we 
talked to the Holy Spirit, me and the staff and Becky. We talked about the Holy Spirit, how, what can we do, how can we help, that sort of thing. I don't want to say any names, okay, but recently-ish, uh, there was someone who asked for help. We were able to give some gas and some groceries because we had money in that benevolence account we were able to give. Because you gave to that account, so we're able to give that way. So financially, that is a way to be... Um, to have generosity to make sure that everybody's needs are taken care of. Not just in giving of finances, but physically. We had a, we had a work day two weeks ago, and we had several people show up to help out. And I, I meant to say thank you last week. I'm so sorry that I forgot, but I'm saying this week, thank you for those who came uh, and, and worked at the work day. Have you seen the bathroom stalls? Don't they look great? I don't know if you've seen them or not. We have new bathroom stalls in the bathrooms. Uh, the gate out here is fixed. We've got a couple of things that were, that were done. And I just want to say thank you so much who gave up of your Saturday morning that moved a little bit into Saturday afternoon um, to help us out with that. I, I'm so thankful for that. Again, not to name names, but there was one um, person, an older person, that says, I can't work all day. I just physically can't work all day, but I can give an hour. So what can I do for an hour? I thought, yes, that's exactly what I'm looking for. Like, what can you give? And then that person came in and gave that hour. I was so thankful for that. So thankful for that hour that they could give. That, that's the spirit, that's the attitude that we're looking for in a church. We have volunteer that comes up and folds our bulletins every single week for us. I love the idea of what can we do for the church. I know I've overheard some people talking. It says, I can't do much anymore, but I know I can pray. Like, you can do something. Everybody can do something. And when we all kind of work together in this, the the generosity kind of goes everywhere. We move on. Acts chapter 4. This is is crazy. Acts chapter 4, verse 31. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, spoke the word of God Boldly. So it starts with the Holy Spirit, okay? Starts with the Holy Spirit. Verse 32. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. Think about that. What would a, what would a church look like? None of it was our own. Not mine, mine, mine. None of it was our own, but that we shared everything that we had. Make sure everybody was taken care of. Verse 33. This is, this is crazy. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work. This is kind of the evidence of how powerfully at work it was. Yes, there's healings. Yes, there's the Holy Spirit. Okay? Here's some evidence. God's grace was so powerfully at work in them that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. That is, a friend of mine once had audacious generosity to sell a piece of property and then to come bring it to the church, pass out who needs some help. That is fantastic. Just the, the idea the attitude of that, that this does not belong to me, that you know, God has blessed me with this land for a time, I've made some money on it for a time, I want to bless the church. Just that, that attitude 
is what we're looking for. And I, I understand that some can't write, they can't give that thousand, they can't get, but the attitude says, but what I can do, I'm going to give. That's, that's what we're looking for. That's what a church should be, and that's what this early church was, and you see how healthy it was. When the generosity of people went out, then there were healings, there were other things that happened. People could see those, those signs and wonders. Verse 36, to give you an example, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned, brought the money, put it at the apostles' feet. So some of you are like, Barnabas, son of encouragement. I've, I've heard of that before. He's been somewhere, right? He's the guy that went with Paul, right? So he was one of the missionaries that went out with Paul. It was Paul and Barnabas, and so he planted churches, and he did some speaking, and many came to the Lord. This is that Barnabas, okay? Where did this great missionary who preached all these sermons and come people, people come to the Lord, where did he get his start with an act of audacious generosity? When he be, And it was so audacious, and it was such generosity, they changed his name. They're like, you know what? You're not Joseph anymore. We're calling you Barnabas, okay? Because you're a son of encouragement. That happened in the Bible. There was Simon to Peter, there was Saul to Paul, and there was Joseph now to Barnabas. It makes sense because you're like, I'm not the person that I used to be. Through Jesus Christ, I'm now a different person. I feel like we should do that. I don't know how that works with the IRS today. I don't know if we could do that or not. <laughs> I don't know. I, I doubt it. But just that, that thought, that idea of I'm a different person, okay? I am now a generous person. This is not mine. I'm, I'm now this. So here's this example, this, this audacious example of people being generous, just this attitude of generosity. And then right after that verse, we step into Acts chapter 5. A story that no pastor likes to preach on. I'm going to preach on it. <laughs> Acts 5, verse 1. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. This man, Ananias, looked around and saw a trend that was happening in the church of selling property and bringing it to the apostles' feet. And he says, I want people to look at me like that. So he had an attitude of look at me and what I'm about to do. But he purposely held back some of the money for himself. This is a selfish attitude that sometimes can seep into the church as well. Where they do enough good things so that other people can look at them and say how great they are, but they have a selfish attitude at heart. And they withhold from the Holy Spirit and they withhold from others. It is an attitude that says, look at me, selfishness, position, look, hey, they changed his name to Barnabas. Maybe they'll change my name too. Look at the great thing that I'm going to do. And it's an attitude that all of us are capable of having if we don't watch out. If we don't let the Holy Spirit grab a hold of our lives. 
Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? How did Peter know that? No one told Peter that. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Didn't it belong, listen to this, didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? It's your money. What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. Listen, didn't it belong? It belonged to you. You can do with it what you want. Go buy a boat. Go on a vacation. I don't care. It's your money. But don't bring it to the church. Act like it's generosity while you withhold, while you withhold some of it back. That, that, that is a spirit, that is an attitude of selfishness, of look at me, I have this position, da, da, da. That's, that's all that is. You kept that back for yourself, and that has the potential of seeping into the church. And God <laughs> dealt with it swiftly. Verse 5, when Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. A great fear seized all who heard what happened. Then some men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out and buried him. That attitude might last for a time in the church, but God will put a stop to it. God will put a stop to that attitude of look at me, selfishness. And the thing is, when we have this selfish attitude, the person that has a selfish attitude, what they'll look at is, but I gave some money. See what I did do? I gave some money. I did something. When the selfish person is caught, what they do is, is they want to turn our attention to the bad thing they did and look at all the good things I do. Don't you know how long I've helped out this church? Don't you know, right? It's like all this stuff. Look at all of this. Don't look at the one thing here. Look at all of this. That is leaning on your own works for salvation and calling it generosity, and calling it all of these things. And that is not going to last in the church. About, verse 7, about three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the, whole, to test the Spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. It seems that Ananias was kind of pushing, driving the bus in this, and saying, you know, his wife was kind of along for the ride, which kind of also tells us be careful who you spend time with, be careful who you're going to allow to influence you, because if you're doing those same things they're doing, it's on your head, not just theirs. The responsibility is on you as well. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. And the young men came in, finding her dead, carried her out, and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church, you think? And all who heard about these events. Yes, it matters what you do. It also matters the attitude and the motive behind it. And God knows that. We don't all, we don't all see that, know that. But God does. And there are sometimes God speaks to us and let us, lets people know with that discernment, what's going on. We have to watch this church. We have to watch that out. He wants this attitude of generosity. Chapter 11. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. 
one of them named Agabus stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. So there's going to be a famine that happens. It's coming. Like there's no signs of it yet. Plants aren't dying just yet. But it's coming. There is something that's coming up, up and down the road. Let's see how the church responds. So the disciples, as each was able, right? $1,000, $10? The disciples, as each was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. So there wasn't like on the news and on Facebook and people are changing their profile pics and, hey, we need to do this, okay? This was all a prophetic word that this is going to happen one day. And the church didn't say, like, well, let's see exactly what they need first before I give. No, no, no. They took up an offering right then and there. So when this happens, we want to make sure that there is enough to be able to bless the brothers and sisters that are there. You see that attitude? Just the attitude of we've got to do something. And they didn't trust the signs and the Facebook profile pics and the whatever. They trusted the prophetic word of the prophet. They listened to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit said give. Well, what am I giving to? I don't even know what it's for. The Holy Spirit says give. The Holy Spirit says do this. And they acted accordingly. Listen, there's going to be from time to time, and this is just part of the the thing that that is part of our burden and responsibility. Let me me just tell you. Sometimes pastors don't want to talk about money because they don't want to be accused of all he cares about is money, okay? I, I don't have much problem with it, but I understand that some, some people do. When we take up an offering for fire Bibles or, or whatever, I don't get a penny of that. You guys know that? Like, I don't get any of that, <laughs> okay? I'm not trying to up it up a little bit, so I'm not getting anything, okay? That's not what happens here. I understand my responsibility to bring needs, to bring missionaries, to bring things to you. And then you, as the Bible says, as each one is able, if you are able, then you give. Okay? So that's fire Bibles, that's missionaries. I've got a couple of things coming up in the fall and winter that I would like to, to have an offering ready to go for. I've already got it in my, in my mind, a couple of things I want us to do. As you are able, you give to that. So if you are able to give and if the Holy Spirit tells you to give, then you can give. And don't feel bad if you don't, if, you, if you're not there. I'm just telling you, I'm just let, laying it out right now for future offerings, okay? I'm not getting any of it. It's just an opportunity for you to give. But I think it's important for us to at least have the opportunity to be generous, and if we can, then we do. Does that make sense? Is that okay to say? Okay. Acts chapter 15. Last verse, last verse, and then we pray. Acts chapter 15. Important passage of scripture in Acts. Because there was a big discussion. All the Gentile converts, they should come under the law. They should do what the, Mo- what the law of Moses said, including circumcision and some other things. And so they should have to do that. So there was a big meeting. Jews on one side, Gentiles on the other side. Da, 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 da. Okay, we've got to work this thing out. It's called the Council of Jerusalem. They decide... That we are not under the law anymore, but instead we are under grace. We don't have to follow that law of Moses. And this was the council in Acts chapter uh, 15. So they send a letter out to all the churches. We are under grace, okay? And there is a sentence, there is one verse here, or the first part of the verse, that is so beautiful in this letter that they sent 
I just want to read this one sentence because it, it lets us know the attitude we're supposed to have. Acts 15, verse 28a, the first part. It says, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you, da-da-da, with all this stuff. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. That little sentence right there says a lot. That it's not just one person on high making a bunch of decisions. It's, it seemed good to us. We have talked about it. And not only have we talked about it and just like come up with, with, with a decision. No, we've prayed about this. We have come together and we have prayed and the Holy Spirit is leading us to do this. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. That's a beautiful phrase right there. And that's how we are to act as the church. It seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit. When it comes to generosity, love, fellowship, teaching, all of these different things. And we show our gratitude whenever we do that. So here's what we're going to do. We are going to practice, if you will. We're going to... I'm going to give us a chance to be led by the Holy Spirit. Okay? So here's our prayer time. We always have a prayer time after the end of service. Many times it's an altar time. And because we are the church, and because I want us to have this spirit of unity and spirit of generosity and spirit of love and all of this, I want us to be able to pray for each other. Okay? Now, my first thought was, why don't we get into groups of five, six, seven people and I hold hands and all pray for each other? We're not going to do that. And the introverts are very excited about that. <clears throat> We're not going to do that. Because, one, one reason is because then you're doing it because I've asked you to do it. But I want us to learn how to be led by the Holy Spirit. There's a difference, right? I want us to be led by the Holy Spirit. So here's what I want you to do. I want everyone in this room, we are going to pray for someone else in this room. Okay? Now, I know you're tempted to pray for your sister three states over. Okay. For this moment in time, I want you to pray for someone else in the church. Okay? And I want you to be led by the Holy Spirit as to who that is and how that is. Okay? So for some of you, it is going to be just fine for you to sit at your seat and to extend a hand to that person and to just pray for them. But there are some of you that are going to be led by the Holy Spirit to actually stand up, walk over to them, put your hand on their shoulder, and pray for them. And I want you to do that as you are led by the Holy Spirit. And he leads extroverts and introverts all the same because he's walking with you, okay? So, don't feel bad. Don't feel bad in the how, but genuinely ask. And for some of you, maybe one people, one person, you may go to a second person or a third person, that's fine. So what the worship team is going to do is they're going to play a little bit. They're not going to sing just yet because I want you to pray, okay? Find someone to pray for, whether it's at your seat or whether you stand up and you go pray for them. In a few minutes, they're going to begin to sing a song. That's not, that's not the end of prayer time. Continue to pray. We're just adding the element of worship to it, okay? Everybody, may, everybody know what we're doing. I want you to be led by the Holy Spirit in who you pray for and then how you pray for that person, okay? So let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you for the word of God today. We thank you for this model of the early church, a healthy church. This sense of generosity and community and love and togetherness. God, we thank you for that. Lord, I pray as I have prayed already this week, that you would lead us and guide us 
in who we are to pray for and how we are to pray for them. Some may be seated at their seats. Some are going to stand up, walk to the other side of the room, and begin to pray. I pray that that would happen. Lord, I pray that you would lead us and that you would guide us as we pray. Go ahead, talk to him for a second. Lord, we love you. Lord, we love you, God. We praise you this morning, Jesus. Lord, you're worthy of praise. Worthy of praise, Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for what you have done for us. Thank you for what you have done for this church, Lord. Pray that you would bring us close together in love and generosity and community. Bring us together, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. As we look back in Acts chapter 2, we see a healthy church devoted to the Word and to fellowship and to prayer and to communion. After that was an outpouring of generosity and love and togetherness. And Lord, that's what we pray for, God. That's what we pray for, Lord. Help us, Lord. Lead us and guide us. Thank you for these wonderful moments that you've led many to pray for other people. I thank you for it, Lord. Thank you for these special times where we can pray with and for each other, Lord. Thank you for it, God. Thank you for it. Lord, lead us and guide us as we leave here, knowing that you are going with us. You are walking with us. You don't just stay here and wait until Wednesday or Sunday. Lord, you go with us out into the world. We thank you for that, God. Hallelujah. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Thank you, Jesus.